Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Monday. We're back in the book of Exodus. We're going to be putting in at verse uh, 21 of chapter 2. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. So Moses had just, you know, um, committed murder. He flees Pharaoh. Now he's out wandering around in the desert, and he meets um, a bunch of daughters of this fellow Jethro, who's a priest of Midian, his, um, and uh, he helps out the daughters at the well, and um, you know water their sheep, and um, you know keeps them from getting put out of line by the other shepherds. So uh, they end up, you know, becoming friends. He's friends with his dad, and then uh, eventually he marries one of the daughters, Zipporah. And I believe her name is translated into Sparrow. Uh, McGee says this. Uh, so she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. So uh, I believe that's what Gershom means, a sojourner. So um, in any event, um, now we come to verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. This is the guy who became king and forgotten all about uh, Joseph and what he had done uh, for the nation uh, Israel. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't take sometimes but a, a new generation to, to um, forget the lessons of the past. So we got a new king of Egypt. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. I mean, these folks are hopelessly lost, as McGee says. And it's kind of um, um, an analogy of what all of mankind is. All, we are all hopelessly lost slaves in a foreign land. We are, uh, you know, none, not one of us are worthy uh, of God helping us. We are all so unworthy. And McGee says that's awful awful hard for many of us to, to really take and understand because deep inside we all want to be considered good people or you know there's something good about us or a circle of friends is good but we are all 
hopelessly lost in sin and in slavery to sin and slavery to death. So their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. So they were crying out, rescue us from this slavery. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. And look at all this, uh, these references to God. God heard. God remembered. God saw what was going on. And God knew. God knew these people. God knew they needed help. God knew of their condition. So, um, we see God being involved with this this affliction here. Um, now, chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Okay, so we see another reference to this father-in-law. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And my study Bible says this is also referenced as Mount Sinai or close to where Mount Sinai was supposed to be. But in any event, um, Mount Sinai through the Bible is usually referenced as the mountain of, of God. Verse 2, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. This is the burning bush here. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed by fire. Just almost like the, as McGee says, almost like the people of Israel were in a flame, a fiery furnace, but they were not consumed either. The nation wouldn't be consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Verse 4, Then the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God to, let me say this again, when the Lord saw that he, this is Moses, turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So, we've got a couple of interesting things here to to uh, point out. It says the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, and then God called to him out of the bush. And then in back in verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, a fire, out of the midst of the bush. So you've got a reference to the angel of the Lord, you've got a, a reference to the Lord, and then you've got a reference to God. And so, um, McGee points out that, in his opinion, the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, but he didn't get into it to try to do a study on that at this point. But in any event, um, whenever we see the Lord spelt in all capitals, that means capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, um, I've been told that 
that is referencing God. And then whenever you have um, capital L and little O-R-D, that represents Christ as the Lord. But So we've got this capital L-O-R-D referencing God, and then we've got uh, an actual reference to God also in verse 4. And then in verse 2, we've got an angel of the Lord. That means an angel of God. Um, and it would seem to me that that angel of the Lord is... Um, also, the person of the capital L O R D and God, um, uh, you could you could make the argument that maybe that's Christ is the angel of the Lord, but it certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't think that that would be just a regular angel. Um, so we've kind of got an interesting um, an interesting. Uh, bit of references here, but in any event, um, verse 5, then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So this is a reference to God, and it's interesting to, to see that uh, Jesus quotes this verse um, back in Matthew um, 22, verse 32, when the Sadducees and the Pharisees were asking him, you know, a hypothetical question, like if, you know, a woman marries a, a fella and he dies, and she marries his brother and he dies, and marries another and he dies, and marries another and he dies, and on and on and on, and then she dies eventually once uh, at the resurrection, you know, who's married to who? And Jesus is saying, look, uh, I'm not a God of the living, but a God of the dead. Our God is a God of the living, not a God of the dead. Um, and uh, is he, you know, am I not, have you not read the scriptures? Am I not the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He's sort of implying that all of these people are alive, you know. Isaac, Jacob, Abraham—they're all alive. He's not a god of the dead; he's god of the living. The, you know, so he's applying that these uh, patriarchs are alive, and so um, you're not going to have to worry about all this because everybody's going to be alive, you know, at the time of the resurrection. Verse 7, then the Lord, this is capital L-O-R-D, this is a reference to like God speaking. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cries because of their taskmasters and I know their sufferings. So we see a reference to God seeing, hearing, and knowing. I have seen the affliction, I have heard their cry, and I know their sufferings. And then look at verse 8. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, 
the Hivites and the Jezebites. Okay, it's an interesting reference that God has seen, heard, and know, but also that He's come down to deliver them. That might be this reference that McGee's talking about to the the pre-incarnate Christ because Christ, the angel of the Lord, has now come down to earth to to be with them. Um, Or perhaps, you know, you've got this reference of God coming to earth to be with His people and then uh, when He's trying to reveal Himself to people, uh, he reveals himself as either Christ in human form or this burning bush sort of in a in a different form. But in any event, um, one of the things that has been said that in all other religions you get man seeking God, but Christianity is different. You know, man seeking God, you have to you know, say all these rituals, or you have to go on pilgrimages, or you have to do different things, try to to seek to God, to get to different levels, to get to God. Christianity is different, because Christianity says nobody can get to God. Everybody's a sinner, and we're all hopelessly lost, just like slaves to sin and slaves to death. But Christianity is different, because God is seeking man. God is coming down to seek man. And we'll eventually have to sacrifice himself in order to save man. That's the big difference of Christianity. So we're going to stop here and turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say on our study today as we continue this study in Exodus. So now for me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ, and we'll see you here next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 21, all the way through to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through to verse 8. So... We are continuing from verse 21 where we had left off in last week's study where we see um, Moses is given um, a wife by Reu, um, who had like a couple of um, children, a couple of daughters. And, um, and Moses had actually helped um, Reu's daughters when they were watering their flock so he had helped them um and you know uh, when they were watering the flock some shepherds came and they they were trying to uh, drive them away and um Moses helped them water um all their flock so verse 21 reads then Moses was content to live with the man and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses so Zipporah means the sparer uh, scripture goes on to read verse 22, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and they their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So 
God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So God is now going to actually is, is is now going to come down and deliver the children of Israel. And Moses has been trained to be the deliverer. So God delivered the children of Israel not because of anything special. You know, it's not that they were special. It's not that they were keeping the covenant. It's not that they were keeping the word of God. It's not that they were faithful to God. So these people were not faithful and true to God. They didn't serve God. So they had gone into idolatry when they were in the land of Egypt. So when they, And, you know, when they actually got out into the wilderness, they couldn't wait to actually make a golden calf. As soon as Moses got out of sight... Aaron started making the golden calf for them, for them. So these people were very far away from God and they were in slavery as well. So the two reasons here uh, that are given why God actually came down and delivered them is because, first of all, they were in a helpless and hopeless position. So God heard their groaning and they were in a desperate condition and this appealed to God and he saw this so only God could actually deliver them deliver them from you know the the bondage and the slavery that they were in and then the second reason is God actually remembered his covenant with Abraham Isaac and Jacob and um you know he remembered his covenant that he would that he had given to Abraham that he would actually bring his offspring after 400 years and he would bring them back into the land, into the promised land. And God actually intends to keep his covenant. God never breaks his covenant. God intends to keep his covenant. So those people say, God changes. God doesn't change. You change. And God actually confirms this covenant with Isaac and with Jacob, the covenant he made with Abraham. So God has redeemed you and me today. So he found nothing in us. We have nothing to offer. You know, uh, Dr. J.V. McGee always preaches faith plus nothing you know, is equal to salvation. We have nothing to offer God. We can't say, oh, hey, look, I did these and these good deeds. We are, we are rotten to the core. And, you know, he found nothing in us mm, that actually calls forth his salvation. So he makes it clear that when he saves us, it's not because, you know, of any merit um, in us at all. And Paul actually states this. If we look at um, in Romans, that's Romans chapter 3 verse 23 and 24 and it reads um for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ so here freely being justified freely freely means justified without a cause so it's the same word our lord used when he said they hated me without any cause. So we are justified without any reason. There's no reason why we shouldn't be justified, why we should, you know, should be redeemed. Because um, we are just lost. Um, so we are justified without any cause. So God saw us in the darkness of sin and ignorance. And he actually saw us hopeless, lost, and unable to actually save ourselves. And he came through and saved us. So God saves us by grace and not by love. So his love for us provided a savior. So because he loved us so much, he provided a savior who was able to actually save us through grace. 
And, you know, like John 3.16 states, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, you know, that we, he gave his son that we actually may be, may have a redeemer, may be redeemed, uh, that we may have a redemption. So God saves by grace because God has a lot of grace. God saves by grace and not by love because grace is love in action. Scripture goes on to read. We get to chapter three, actually. And in chapter three, we have the story of the burning bush. And it's the call of Moses and, you know, the second 40 years <coughs> in Medina now has come to an end. And burning bush actually brings us to the next 40 years. Um, so scripture goes on to read verse three. Chapter 3, sorry, verse 1 reads, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Um, so, here, um, we have the story of the burning bush and it's the call of Moses um you know the second 40 years of his life so the bush has always been considered um a picture of the nation Israel so they have been in the um you know they actually have been in the fire of persecution for a long time from um you know the beginning here we are now down you know here they're actually now down in the land of Egypt um, and down through the centuries. That's actually been the experience. They have been in the fire and like that burning bush, they were never consumed. You know, unlike other nations that actually haven't been through, you know, the persecution of fire, they have been, cons you know, they're no longer in existence. They have been consumed. Look at Midian. You know, we don't hear of any Midianites. We don't hear of any country called Midian. We don't hear of any governments called Midian. Um, they have been they are non-existence. Oh, and by the way, like I said, um, sorry, the place where um, Moses was actually um, when he, you know, it's a place. Reuel is not the name of the 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 father-in-law. It's actually Jethro, the name of the father-in-law. He was at Reuel, um, where he was helping um, the daughters of Jethro tend to water their flock. Sorry about the mix-up of names. That being said, let me just continue. So, the nation Israel, you know, they have, they are considered to, to be that burning bush. You know, the fire of persecution has been on Israel for the longest time. You know, it was, um, the, you know, the Babylonian captivity. And then, um, and then there was, um, there was, um, Graco-Macedonia. And then there was, uh, Rome. And, um, you know, they've been through, you know, one persecution after the other. And then now you have you know, spots and pockets of um, anti-Semitism that's going around. And then now here, they were also in captivity down in Egypt, but they were never consumed. They never disappeared from the face of the earth like, you know, um, other other um, groups of people, like, say, Moabites. You don't hear of the Moabites. You don't hear of the Midianites. So uh, scripture goes on to read... Mm. That's verse 2 um, of chapter 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire 
from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So here, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, whenever we have the statement, the angel of the Lord, this is the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay, so verse 3 goes on to read. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Verse 4, so when God, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. So see here, we have um, the angel of the Lord. So, But it says God called out to Moses. So it's the Lord Jesus Christ and not the angel. Scripture would represent the angel called out, but it says God called out, and this is the pre-incarnate Christ. Verse 5 goes on to read. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. So Moses was actually, if we look at Moses, we read more about Moses, who was actually very well learned. In, you know, he grew up in the court of Pharaoh, and he was learned in all things Egyptian. You know, their culture and civilization, you know, they were, they were, uh, a, a, they were like a priest, intelligent and smart civilization um, of that particular day. So he actually spent 40 years in the wilderness and he's had great teaching, but he didn't know he had to take off his shoes. So he was rebuked here. And today we actually have people who are very well versed in the wisdom of the world, but they are so ignorant of God and his word. We have very smart people. Like, you know, when it comes to science, the economy, and all the, all, you know, all things worldly. Um, but they don't know, you know, a single thing about God. They're very ignorant. So Moses is rebuked and told to take off his shoes. And now he's getting schooled. Verse 6 goes on to read. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So when we say one could look upon God, it's actually the revel one could look upon the revelation of God. So the Lord Jesus Christ on earth was veiled in human flesh. And it can still be said, no man has seen God at any time so the only way one can know god is through the lord jesus christ who brought god out in the open veiled in human flesh scripture goes on to read verse 7 and the lord said i have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for i know their sorrows so i have come down to deliver them out of the out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the <clears throat> Hevites and the Jebusites. So, you know, when God redeems, he actually redeems. He doesn't go back on his word. He redeems. He redeems from something. When God redeems, he will redeem you from something unto something else. So we have been saved from sin and to heaven and holiness. So when he redeems us, you know, he sent a savior because of love. And 
because he's gracious. So we have been saved by grace. We have been justified without a cause. So we have been saved by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have been saved from sin unto heaven and on holy, unto holiness. Okay, so this is our teaching for, for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Thank you.